Testing, testing. Hey, how's this mic? Ooh. Ooh, say some more. I am coming to you on the Audio Technica something, 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 not nearly as memorable as Yeti Blue,、uh, the TR2100X. Did, did I hear you say Audio Technica, like the version that's slightly better than the one Ben Orenstein has? I, yes, I, I may or may not have gone to Amazon and then <laughs> chosen to slightly upgrade it from the one he has. <laughs> Sounds really good, man.、Uh, it can only help. Now I feel like、uh, I need to do something similar. Yeah, I, I just, I had a lot of,、um, I do have a lot of background noise where I am, and I feel like, okay, this is, this is worth it. I, I traded in some chips and said, you know, after 30 something episodes, This is, a, this is a fine investment. I thought you were going to say, I had a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I did something with a little bit of that this week. Yeah, there's a new bias in the show. Yeah, we should. That should. <laughs> this is, in the name of transparency. <laughs> in the name of transparency. Yeah, this is, was this a good move? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm, I'm done pitching. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if we, it's one thing if you lose all the money, but it's another thing if we ruin the podcast. Yeah, that's true.、Um, yeah, you're an investor in Branch now. Yay. Thanks for、Welcome、having me. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. No, it was easy math. Like I said, you are, you're a humble, pragmatic founder that knows how to recruit talent. And WordPress、Aww. is 35% of the web. So if you take, if you take that, And you throw it at that, there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, dude, I gotta say, it's a, it's a huge honor to be, I guess, your first angel investment. You, you are. I signed, my, I signed my second about an hour later. It was Angel Investing Saturday. <laughs>、um, wow. But、uh, yeah, haven't, haven't announced that one yet. But、um, I'm gonna cool the jets now because <laughs> this, is, this is not going to become a regular thing with me. This is probably all I'll do in 2020.、Um, yeah. We'll, we'll see what 2021 holds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, the way I think about it is、um, getting you on board as an angel investor was it meant a lot to me because I think. Besides myself, you're probably the person that knows most about the business and how it's doing right now because we talk almost every day,、um, share like what's going on in our businesses and stuff like that.、Um, so, you know, well,、mm-hmm. when you think about it,、um, the one way you're like, like, he knows everything, so he shouldn't want to invest. But <laughs> then at the same time, you know everything, so it's like, it's probably easier to make the decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and, you know, I think a few times in the past, I've thought, you know, I would invest in Branch if I could. And then、uh, recent events have made that possible. So, yeah, it wasn't,、um, wasn't like something I was always thinking, but the more I got to know you and the more I got to know the business, I, d- I just think that it's, a, it's an equity, invest in, an equity investment worthy business. Ugh, that's a mouthful, but it's the kind of thing that could pay back really well. Um, it's, it's got a huge upside potential, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of like, there's a big market. There are some trends. Exactly.、Um, 
there's a still there's still a lot to be proved yeah. um, but there are like ways it could turn out into something really big um, exactly exactly it's not a niche business it's in a very large market and the number of potential acquirers of it is is long um, yeah that's the other thing i think i'm just going to roll into my update because my first update is about the raising money thing um, cool yeah so that's the other thing right because when we talked about this um a while ago now i was talking about doing convertible notes um slightly modified version of a convertible note um, but what i realized was that it was going to be a lot of legal costs involved in doing them exactly the way i wanted um i had some people who were super helpful with like sharing how they had done it before but the the amount of money i was raising which is not a lot um compared to what you typically see but this is you know more like a, a friend's round if you want to say it like that yeah um it was going to be a significant part of the money was going to go towards paying for someone to actually draw up the notes and it yeah. in the end it just wasn't really worth it and then my main concern about doing something like a, the safe like the y combinator safe um simple agreement for future equity was that it's only worth something if there is a liquidity event. But when I talked to potential investors about it, and when I thought more about it, it was actually really difficult for me to see a successful outcome that didn't involve a liquidity event of any sort. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. if, it, if there's a lot of growth, it would probably make sense to raise more money um, because I am, you know... I, I'm not profitable at all. Like I'm, I'm far from being profitable right now. Um, and also like, I want to keep <laughs> growing this thing. So like, I will run out of money again, probably, um, before I'm profitable. Um, so there's that. And then on the other hand, it's like, it's hard for me. Like there's, it's just rare in the WordPress space that something that's really successful, especially a developer tool it's just like left to their own device in their own corner of the market. And no one is like trying to acquire them or invest in them or something like that. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, uh, yeah, it does. The instrument you chose makes sense to me for where you're headed. Um, I don't feel like it's a, Oh, because I don't own stock. I'm not entitled to all those beautiful cash flows and dividends payments that you're going to be making. Um, because I do think that you'll either, a raise more money or B be acquired for a decent multiple of the valuation that you have on this. So um, I think it's, I think it fits. It's a good example of thinking through the right thing for you. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just doing what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And it does make things a lot simpler when you use something like that. Um, mm -hmm. Especially the new Y Combinator safe is much easier to understand um, because it's post money. Um, so, you could basically, like you can just with some simple math, based on how much you invest and in different scenarios, it's pretty easy to calculate how much of the business you'll actually own, um, which I like. Yeah, it helps the investor in that sense. For sure. Well, it helps the founder as well. It's easy to lose track of how much you're really giving up in a convertible note round where the interest rate is actually compounding the investment and that yeah. converts and you're like, oh, that's... 16% more than I expected or, or 24% more than I expected. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's very clean. Um, I think it's a, 
easy to overuse though because it's so clean and i think that's where people there's a little bit of backlash now where people are saying wow people have used this so many times and in so many different at so many different valuations etc that they can't really even quite be sure what's going to happen when they raise around or get acquired <laughs> um yeah but you're a long way from that yeah because i mean some people raise millions on these things and it's like yeah you end yeah. up with a there's a lot left to be interpreted by your legal team when when you race the next round right right because um, to, be, to be clear these this does not trigger until then and so no you can kind of think of this as latent ownership that's going to be triggered upon one of those events um similar to yeah. notes but uh yeah i think that that is the risk um but again i think it's a calculated risk so i'm uh, yeah you pay up front and you lock in your valuation right yep yeah and then in my case um basically the oh, not don't want to call it the downside protection but in case the valuation was too high there's another mechanism in there which is the discounted rate um like whatever happens you can always choose to use the discount towards the 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 valuation instead of the valuation cap mm -hmm. um, yeah so that's that's a nice little uh, thing to add in there i think yeah a, a little side sidebar commentary here you know i don't think of you as pre-revenue because you technically have revenue but if you want to just say there's like pre-monetization and post um yeah i would i would put you on the pre-monetization side just because you haven't got that engine running mm. but i do know that some people really are hesitant to invest even as angels before that monetization engine kicks in and i you know i reflect on that and think you know if you're if you're an angel investor and you're investing after the monetization engine is running you know you're you're probably getting a valuation that is <laughs> substantially higher like you're paying a lot for that risk to be removed from the equation and i don't i, I don't think monetization is so so much of a dark art um that you're not going to figure it out and you have willingness to pay proven so it's uh interesting timing for you but i think it's all I think it's fair and it makes sense um but i, I guess I'm, what i'm thinking in the back of my mind is you know you're you're an example of a tiny c company that is raising more money right around the time of the program finishing without substantial revenue traction mm. your, your, your traction is in other ways which yeah like i said i think is actually where you should be focused right now yeah um and i so the reason I only raised a small amount now was because I don't think it's the right time for me to raise an actual round. And I don't think I don't think it's the right time for me to go out and tell a story about why people should invest in branch. Because mm -hmm. um, I want to get there's I have one hurdle to cross right now, which is essentially um, activation inside the app, um, which I I I'm pretty confident that I can solve. But I have a very like a very clear defined problem in front of me right now. And I think if I can solve that, I have a much better story to tell if I want to raise more money. Um, so that's kind of like my short term bet right now, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. Is yeah. to just raise the, the easy money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Right now. And then, and then hopefully 
I have a better story to tell soon because it's all about telling a good story, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, you, you will figure it out. Um, I just, I mean, short of something really strange, I don't see why you wouldn't. I, are you able to share how much roughly you are raising in this round? Um, so it's not fully closed yet. There's still one safe out that hasn't been signed yet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's essentially a bit more than a, a half a tiny seat <laughs> round. Okay. okay, cool. Um, so it's not a very much, but um, yeah, as I said, for now, this is, um, this was the easy money that didn't require a pitch deck or didn't require like going out and chasing down investors. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I think, cause cool. I still have, I still have cash from tiny seed left. Um, but this, this makes me pretty comfortable that I can get through this year without worrying, um, uh, about money too much. That's great. Yeah. So, um, with the fundraising and uh, onboarding um, Bjorn, my new teammate, I feel like I'm spending way too much time talking to lawyers. And uh, it's something I look forward to doing less <laughs> soon. Yep. Uh, not sure it'll ever change, but maybe that's just how it is when you run a company. <clears throat> they're, they're your allies. I mean, if, if they're... Um, yeah, every... Every I know it's it's painful, but every dollar an hour you spend early is worth probably five or ten of those dollars and minutes and hours <laughs> later. So it's uh, yeah. it's it's going to pay off big time. You don't want to do that all the time, but man, having experienced people look at this stuff now is is uh, really really great. Um, you yeah. do not want to be searching for emails or missing board consents when somebody makes you an acquisition offer. Nah. <laughs> so yeah i think most of that is about to be sorted out and well at least on the fundraising side it is um but with the the new employee as well so cool yeah um we're back in product mode again and it's really exciting um this yeah so basically the way we chose to work now is we we had a look at shape up the base camp new methodology that everyone is is hot on mm -hmm. um and we we realized it it made sense for the way that bjorn is going to work um on the product and the, how, for the parts of the product development that i help with but for most of my work it doesn't really make sense because it is really for product development and not so much for you know just running a company in general um but for the product development the shape up thinking makes a lot of sense um hmm. so basically we try to adapt it to basically a two-person team or essentially a one-person team and a, maybe a half person um which is me um so the way we kind of changed it is instead of six weeks we'll do three weeks cycles okay and then we'll only do half days essentially so the first half of the day because we're both we both like to er work early in the day uh, so the first half of the day is kind of like sacred shape up time where you get to work you know undistracted focused time work on the the thing that's like in the current um sprint or whatever you want to call it and then the afternoons for like fixing bugs and more like urgent issues or support and stuff like that. It just always comes up because there's no extra person <laughs> to do that. Um, 
So oh, we just have it. to be pragmatic about it. Um, but cool. I, yeah, I definitely think three weeks from like the way we've worked so far, like in three weeks, we can get quite a lot done in the product and make pretty significant changes. And then the thing I like about it is after the three weeks, we have one cool down week. And then, so when I do my quarterly plans, essentially I have three bets every quarter. And I really like to think about it that way. So, you know, we got three of the shape up cycles that at least on the product side, when I think about the quarter, I can kind of like picture, you know, three big bets that we'll do in that quarter. Um, and that's like, you know, if you get to to do three bets on something in the product, that's something that can really move the needle. So I'm excited to see how this goes. Um, yeah. It will work out for us. Yeah. With the, with the addition of Bjorn, it, it seems like the bets that you're talking about are more significant than the ones you'd be talking about if it was just you. Like, Oh, definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make a bet that, you know, it would be great if our UI UX was improved by a lot. And like when you're solo, <laughs> that, that might be a big bet. When you have someone else and you guys are really clicking, that might be something that just gets knocked out along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like having someone who spends, you know, four or five hours every day improving the product. <laughs> and so really that's only like 25, 30 35 maybe percent of the total time we spent in total like in the company right now yeah but like that's still a lot of improvement every week um yeah yeah you've got uh, those one percent improvements happening daily yeah maybe weekly and that's compounding as your baseline product quality is compounding and on top of that you can really push in certain directions um yeah through those bets you talked about i mean that's it's a good place to be yeah, so we started a new cycle this week. So last week we chose as kind of like a cool down week after onboarding in Spain, um, kind of like intense two first weeks. So we decided the last week was going to be a cool down um, week. And then kind of like the, because we, you know, we haven't accumulated so much, um, you know, stuff we needed to, like we haven't had our first real shape up project yet so there's nothing really to follow up on and um, so we chose another project kind of like for just the cool down week that was something that was you know maybe easy to just like you know sit down with your computer turn on some music and just crank out but essentially rewriting the whole app uh, in tailwind or mm -hmm. at least all the css yeah um, and migrate to that because before that the the app was just using one of those like 50 dollars bootstrap templates mm -hmm. which has been working out fine but the problem is it's really hard to change and you only really have the components that are in there and it's hard to really adapt them a whole lot because you'll have to write a lot of uh, css yeah whereas when you switch to something like tailwind you First of all, they come out with a, they'll come out with a lot of new components very soon. But also, it's just very easy to tweak things the way you want them to be. And then, um, yeah. So I didn't really know how to, what to expect, um, but we wanted to like give it a week and see how far we get. We got. Um, when I say we, I really mean Bjorn. <laughs> um, but we managed to essentially release everything Friday afternoon which was really exciting. So essentially the whole app now is running on Tailwind. And wow. in addition to that, like every little 
bit of the UI almost has been extracted into a small view component. So it's much easier to reuse those components across the site. Um, and this is really important to me because when I did my little, uh, I did a little personal retreat in December that I talked about. And one of the things was like de- developer happiness. Um, yeah. cause I felt like there was a lot of legacy with branch. Like it wasn't fun to change the product and add new stuff cause it, it didn't really look as great as I wanted it to look. And it, it, it was hard to change it. Um, but like now it's like this beautiful clean slate <laughs> that I think we're both really excited about and yeah it's just so nice and we can like it also looks a lot better now like we made small improvements to how it it looks as well we try to stick to the the previous version um just to like make sure we didn't like go too far out of scope um but yeah it was really exciting that we managed to get that out really late um friday afternoon but you know no one's really using the, the product on the weekend so actually i didn't mind um doing a late Friday release. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then this week we started the the new cycle, three-week cycle, which is going to be all about build steps and refactoring them into use to be more user-friendly. And essentially when you add build steps to your build pipeline and branch, it should be more like an onboarding or like a, you know, those old like installation wizards in, in the, uh, in windows and so when you had to install yep. stuff yep um so something like like that feeling where it's like what would you like to do would you like to build something or test something or deploy something and then you click and then you know it kind of guides you through the whole thing yeah um, and i think this is going to be huge for activation so i'm really excited about it um, it will yeah no, it, it it will be that that's very similar to the onboarding experience i put into summit back in q4 and it yeah, made it true. Made a, it made a huge difference. Yeah, um, one of the things I was really excited about. We just like a couple hours ago, we had we were kind of like brainstorming a bit, and one of the things we wanted to do is kind of pull out the built recipes in branch out of the code base and essentially into the database, um, so we can add these recipes from our backend, which is using Laravel Nova. Um, so essentially, you could like we were kind of thinking like, could we? figure out a way so we could, you know, set up these recipes in a UI from the backend because um, it would be nice to get them out of the code base. But then we started to think how, like, that would actually also make it available for people to add their own templates. And then when you when you take that, an extra step is, like, you could actually have a marketplace where other people could share their recipes so you could have really niche recipes or hosting companies could have you know a page where they add all the recipes that are relevant to their platforms um and i have seen situations where they actually do want to maintain them themselves because then you know if they change something they're not reliable on branch to update the recipe they can just go in and publish a new one or update the one they have so essentially turning these build recipes into content as well yeah. and offering it in a marketplace. So this is long-term thinking, but it made us both really excited, I think, to kind of like jam on this. Yeah, that's that's really cool because it's proprietary content. I mean, it's it's unique, at least. Um, yeah. yeah, and like you could see, like we talked about how like hmm. some like framework using, like he was using the example of the Themosis WordPress framework that he used a couple of weeks ago. Like if you wanted to use that with Tailwind, like 
if someone built a package for that, they could just link to the branch build recipe from the Git repository. So it was easy for someone to configure like all these things like made us really excited. That's really cool. That's really cool. I mean, you're operating on a, (laughs) this is the beauty of having like the right underlying model and abstractions is now you can do things on top of those. Yeah, Yeah. That, you know, you could never even, you could think about them if you didn't have that, but, operating at that level and actually yeah, create, yeah. like creating value at that level is <laughs> it's it becomes a go-to thing which yeah yeah and i find time. that this this just happens more now that we're two people because you know the reason we talked about this was because he supposed like he suggested like wouldn't it be nicer if we could just add these from a ui and we could like pull it out of the code base so it wouldn't require a new release of the app to you know just update a recipe but then like then I started to think, what does it actually mean that it's in the database instead of the code base? It means that in theory, like other people could blah blah blah. And then you know, then you just like start to think more about it and mm-hmm. go back and forth. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Very yeah. cool, man. Congrats. Yeah. So uh that's what's been going on here. I had WordCamp Glasgow yesterday, mm. which was fun. Sold out, unexpected. How so a hundred people. Yeah. How often are there word camps? Cause I know you've mentioned this before. Oh, every week, like there is a word camp somewhere in the world, but in Glasgow, it's the, okay. it's the first one we had here. Um, so it's yeah. nice to see the community show up. Some people came from, I think someone showed up from Italy, <laughs> which was cool. Wow. Um, everyone who came from England were stuck until today, I think, um, because of we ha- we have a storm here this weekend. Okay. Are these all people? Uh, do you know most of that crowd or how many? Uh, folks I know the ones from Glasgow and Edinburgh, but okay. most other people I didn't know. Cool. Um, cool. So you wear your branch hat and spread the news. I, I certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. So that was cool. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much what's been going on here. Wow. Lots of things. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Well, we can just end the episode now uh, before I have to uh, talk about my relatively tame, tame week by comparison. No, you, it sounds like you've been, I mean, I mean a lot of things are coming out on Twitter. So I don't know, must mean, either, must mean something. yeah, or maybe you're just like philosophizing and <laughs> yeah. meditating and then going to Twitter like once an hour. <laughs> um. A, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. Uh, <laughs> no, it is, uh, it is funny. Um, I was telling this to Einer, uh, over Slack, like I am talking about the same things I was talking about six months ago, uh, on Twitter and on medium, especially medium. I haven't actually written a new essay in a while. Um, but you know, you can go back and look at essays I've written and definitely tweets that I wrote in the past. And I was talking about very similar things, but last week, it was like holding a lightning rod uh, throughout the week. The number of people who were talking about, you know, alternative VC, uh, debt debt financing for startups, um, and yeah, it seems like matter. everyone on Twitter is talking about debt right now. Yeah, it just blew up, and and that was um, that was definitely uh, catalyzed by. Well, this was the weird thing. So there was an article that came out, um, and it was debt is coming to Silicon Valley. And I could not agree more with the article. It was, it was great. Um, and I'll, I'm going to scroll through my Twitter and make sure I get the name right of the author. But uh, but what's interesting is that article 
was riffing on uh, a conversation that I had been having um, with a with a fellow by the name of Mike Ritchie of Sequel uh, io, and he had said something about securitizing SaaS revenue, which to simplify basically means like allowing investors to directly invest in. If you want to think about it that way, like subscriptions that you have of your business is a very you know futuristic concept mm-hmm. and patrick mckenzie then kind of subtweeted it a couple hours later and said something to the effect of you know it's it's amazing the number of you know startups out there who are essentially creating new financial instruments and and that tweet made it into this blog post which then went very large last week and got a number of different folks in the valley and elsewhere talking about you know what does the future of SaaS financing look like and um you know this is very much super aligned with summit and what i'm trying to do um so it's really exciting to see you know the river of 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 interest just get much you know bigger faster wider um and energized sounds like you're at sounds like you were at the the right time at the right moment Yeah, timing, man. It's it's it is timing is pretty crazy. Like so, I I mean, what happened for me out of that was um, I just kind of held my. Um, <laughs> there's actually this this phrase um, with uh, Justin Jackson mentions like being near a river that's flowing uh, and just <laughs> holding your holding your cup out and trying to <laughs> like yeah. catch, catching some water. So I, I held my cup out and uh, just liked and retweeted and commented on a few things, and I got some very cool responses and even a DM or two from folks who have strong interests in the space. Um, and, you know, one of them, even a venture capitalist who's like, Hey, I'd, l- I'd love to trade notes on this. I had a, a startup founder in the, in the microconf universe uh, reach out to me and say, Hey, it's super cool that you're getting into lending now with summit. Um, I'd love to talk about that. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, when you're in the right place, at the right time, I feel like I kind of paddled out to this one about a year ago. And I've just been Do you remember a couple of years ago there waiting. was a volcano there was a volcano eruption in Iceland that like caused flight disruption all over the world? Oh yeah. Um in Denmark there was this volcano expert and you could just tell like he'd been sitting in his his laboratory <laughs> for like 30 years <laughs> studying <laughs> volcanoes, this specific volcano. And he got to go in TV like every single day. And he was so excited. Like you could just tell that like he's been waiting, waiting his whole life for this thing to happen. Oh man. Oh man. Exactly. That's kind of like how I'm thinking about you this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I haven't had to wait very long. That's the thing. I think that the thing that's um, the fortuitous part is just, having gotten the investment from tiny seed when I did and already having worked on some of the product prior to that, at least in concept, you know, basically gave me a year head start on, you know, deciding it was my full time job to think about this opportunity <laughs> and to work on it means that, you know, when, when it kind of breaks on the social sort of zeitgeist or consciousness, suddenly you're like, Yeah, I've been thinking about this for a while, guys. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, here's a product, and here's an essay, and and here's a talk that I gave at Business of Software about this topic last fall. And it just makes it really easy to slide into those conversations and add value as opposed to playing catch up. You know, but like right now, you don't have a fund, and you're not lending anyone money, right? But 
I'm seeing tweets about lending debt. I'm seeing tweets about Stripe uh, Mastercards with Summit logos on them and stuff like that. I'm seeing a lot of things on Twitter. Like, can you kind of like give an update on sure, sure. like wh- where you're at and like what you're thinking about this and if you have like any concrete plans in mind that you can share? Or sure, uh, yeah, I I can say that. Um, it's, it's just funny, man. It's just, I, I, I was thinking that this is something that I would work on like 12 months from now. So this basically just pulled a lot of like roadmap forward. Um, but I mean, here's the thing. This goes back to something I said previous episode. Like I have this tool, this tool is really good at assessing the risk, the, the inherent risks of startups. And I can say concretely that you know, there are, you know, roughly a hundred startups that are using Summit on a somewhat regular basis at this point. And out of those, a decent, uh, you know, some small percentage um, are interested in fundraising or financing their growth. Um, and so what I'm doing is I have offered to go through, work through like a fundraising or financing strategy for them um, using the product. Mm. And I basically said, look, you know, I, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have the fund yet. Um, but I will say that I've got quite a few people and, and this is where I should be careful. I'm not sure what I can say or not. This is like starting to get into uh, regulatory yeah. stuff, <laughs> but that's, that's totally I, fine. I, I will say this, I will say this, like, uh, given, given the approach that I'm taking and given the fit, um, I'm very not worried about, the work I'm doing with them. So here's what I said. I said, look, you know, I want to help you figure out your fundraising. I want to help you get to the place where you know, you know, roughly how much money you actually need, what you would spend it on, where you could get that from. And I said, look, by the way, this is customer development for me because I am actively trying to create a better financial product for you, for you, (laughs) for your kind of use case. Um, and if it turns out that that's ready by the time you are eager to, you know, accept money, then great. You know, it's like, awesome. Here it is, you know, plug and play. Um, if it turns out that it's not, you still have this blueprint that I have created with you on what your business needs. And you can take that to somebody else and like, and I can even probably introduce you to some folks. Um, so it's a win-win either way. And it's potentially a really big win if it turns out that you know i'm ready with something that can meet their needs right at the same so it's time a, that we come to that so it's a way for you to kind of like show that you are connected with at least one side of the two-sided marketplace and then makes it easier to talk to the other side maybe yeah i mean so one of my investors is um he, he's in private equity and you know he i was talking to him about like what does it take to raise a debt fund. Um, and, and, uh, he kind of laid it all out for me and he said, you know, uh, this stuff in some sense, lawyers and, and the legalities and all that stuff is pretty like, this is a well-trod path. People have done this before. He said, you know what you should do? It's like, you should yeah, bring the, f- you know, three, four or five examples of startups that fit your thesis that, you know, are just great examples of the kinds of startups that need some kind of lending instrument that doesn't exist yet and that you're making he's like that that is your proof point and you say look i've got the forecasts here's what we're doing and he said the money the money is looking for those kinds of opportunities and i will say i have 
I have since that conversation seen that play out really well, where even anytime I hint at the founder side of this, the startup side of this, the people that I know that I'm talking to, there's no lack of interest in saying, I would like to contribute some money towards a proof of concept of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe I introduce them directly. Maybe I'm just playing the facilitator at this point. It's not a, it's not a fully orchestrated platform or productized or whatever, but this is the do things that don't scale phase potentially yeah, of, of a summit debt fund. Um, but if I can do them in a manual way, it stands to reason that I can rapidly improve the efficiency because there's so much product I can bring to bear on the problem. So I don't have to go hire an army of interns or ar- army of analysts, right. To work on this. Um, if I can do it manually, then I can code faster ways to do it. And I think it's coming, what this is really helping me do is it's helping me figure out what it is and what it isn't. Yeah. And you know, it's not, or it's not a, it's not a tiny seed, right? It's not an NDVC. Um, it is like some other things that already exist, but it's, it's more different. It's um, underwritten in a different way as well, right? Yeah. It's underwritten in a different way. It's, it's really, it's really more like, um, I would say if it is like any two things out there, the way I'm thinking about it currently is really more like a, a Brex or a lighter capital um, in terms of it is non-dilutive funding. It's not not equity based at all. And I, I'm kind of taking this, you know, there's a there's a book called The Toyota Way, which uh, I don't know if you've seen, but it's it's basically, mm-hmm. you know, Toyota in the 90s was um well, Toyota in the nineties was farther along. In the eighties, for sure, they were this you know entry level Japanese automaker that a lot of folks didn't think of as. I mean, nowhere near being a luxury brand, right? And they said, you know, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to create a luxury vehicle, and they called it the Lexus. And everybody laughed because it was like, wait, Toyota is going to have a luxury vehicle? Like, no way. You know, there's already Cadillac and and BMW and Mercedes and all these. You know, like, there, there's no way they can enter this market. And the engineers basically sat down and they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw out, we're going to start with a blank slate and we're going to imagine that we don't have any constraints for a second. And we're just going to list out like, if we, what, what do people really wish they had in a luxury car? And it was like the best safety, great performance, you know, a price that's not through the roof. Obviously it's a luxury price, but it's not through the roof luxury price, you know, and it's a good engine, and it gets great gas mileage. They just went down the list, and and they stopped and looked, and like, is this even possible? But like, their challenge was they designed the car first, and then they said, can we can we do this? Because if we can do this, we're going to have an amazing product, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm at the stage of saying, what do startups really wish they they had, right? In the perfect world. In the perfect world, what do they wish they had? And say, you know, what they wish they had is something that looked like this. And I won't try to list it out on the podcast. But there are these trade-offs that we've all kind of accepted in terms of financing. And I'm trying to challenge all of those and say, do those exist because of the of the risks of something that's really intrinsic to the startups and the investment? Or do those exist, do those trade-offs and sacrifices and pain points exist because of a broken industry? you know, or a broken system, like something systemic that is there. And we've accepted that, but it doesn't have to be that way. And it's kind of like, you know, you can't, you can't do that. It's like, okay, you know, you can't reland a rocket, 
right? There's no, there's no way. <laughs> you you'll, you'll never have a reusable rocket. That's silly. And I was like, well, but what if you just, well, well I mean, what, what if you created one from scratch? It's like, wait, you're going to, you're not just going to assemble parts. Like, no, we'll just do the whole thing ourselves. Like, would it be possible then if we were that crazy, could we do it? And so I'm kind of having fun right now going, you know, if I truly did everything from scratch, if you will, made the parts, could you do things for startups that people currently don't believe is possible? And there was a tweet last week where somebody said they were on the phone with their bank and the bank told them, you know, I'm sorry, we simply can't do what Brex, um, yeah, I saw that. Brex is doing. Yeah, we simply can't do what Brex is doing for you from a corporate charge card perspective. Like it's just not possible given our system. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great example of like, well, wait a minute. Brex is a Y Combinator company from not that long ago. Yeah, how is it? How is it possible that they can do what whoever that was can't do? Well, it's Wells Fargo or Chase or MBNA or whoever. And I mean, it's 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 a it's a testament to how far fintech has come in the last five or ten years. Um, that things are possible now that weren't possible before. So I, I'm I'm trying to say, look, before I just start doing what other people have done. How do I stand on the shoulders of these giant movements and take advantage of them and do something that is really, really exciting compared to what's been done before? And I'm in a I'm in a I'm really excited that I'm in the like you said at the beginning of this, the timing and the positioning and even just the personal situation that I'm in to say, yeah, yeah let, let me just stop for a month and challenge some assumptions. Right. Um, and that is really cool. Yeah, I, I'm really, really excited about it. And I didn't think this was something I was going to think about now but it's the wave is kind of happening now so <laughs> I, I love to think about the flywheel effects here as well like i told you about this privately i think about how like if someone if someone potentially is interested in some sort of financing like they're gonna get a better deal if they're using summit in like you know dis in a disciplined way so you want to like you encourage people with some sort of like financing carrot to use summit more disciplined. And then when you have more people using summit in a more disciplined way, like you have more like qualified leads for the financing product. And it's just kind of like, yeah, I, I like to think about the flywheel effects there where it's like the one product encourages the use of the other product. Yeah, and, and there's there's precedent for this. If you think about a insurance company like USAA uh, in yeah. America, they they only serve veterans and the families of veterans, and that has allowed them to create a world class, like best in the world insurance product, um, because the customers that they're serving, being veterans, are they know that they're less risky overall. Then or even the if you because when you think about insurance out with you know on solid feeds oh, now sorry. i'm not talking about all the issues and challenges that face people like like that but the point is because they're serving a very specific segment which in this case would be hey people that use summit set reasonable goals hit those goals and base their decisions on data guess what <laughs> it turns out they're very credit worthy compared to other startups right yeah but that's only one part of it that's like so i mean if you're using summit discipline that's like you know the veterans getting a discount on their insurance but by having summit you know connected to your stripe account and your bank account or whatever it's almost like 
Oh, that's kind of similar to when insurance companies give you like a black box for your car. Yeah. So they can, you know, keep an eye on on how you're doing. Well, it's a safe driver discount. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, you can you can prove that you are better than the average driver. Everybody says they are better than the average driver. It's like, okay, we have proof. <laughs> we have proof now, and here's your fifteen percent discount. Um, but yeah, it, it works both ways. And and here's the thing: like the product in its free version was getting, I mean, a lot of people enjoy using it. It's it, for certain folks. It's fun. It has value. I'm going to keep making that better. So the fact that the product in its own right is valuable for yeah. startups means that they don't have to ever engage in the financing aspect of it for it to be valuable. Right. So it's not like a come fill out this form, you know, it's like, I don't have time for that, but it's like, this is already valuable in its own right. And it has perks. Uh, that's, that's what you said. Like it's, it's a flywheel then because people want to use it in the first place. Um, and now they have extra reason to use it. Yeah. When they see their credit score, they want to make it go up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and you know, whether, whether this is the answer, I, I, I don't know, but I think it, it can be an answer. And I think, um, there's, you know, there's no shortage of startups that are much more credit worthy than the average analyst can understand. Um, so then there's an opportunity there. I listened to your interview on product journey or I actually, I didn't finish it yet. Um, oh, cool. but I listened to parts of it at least. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm looking forward to listen to the rest of it because it's just not, so far, it's a really good interview. Um, the only thought that was going through my mind was like rip off everything on your landing page right now and answer those questions that you're answering on that podcast. Cause you had some really good, um, kind of like you, you, you had some really good ways you used to explain or examples you used to explain summit and forecasting. Mm. Um, and I think some of that like could turn, be turned into like really nice, content on a landing page um i recommend everyone go listen to that interview but you talked about basically how the human brain is like made for forecasting i really mm -hmm. like that part mm -hmm. um yeah you had some great analogies there as well um but man that like i think you need to you need to <laughs> listen to the podcast yourself and like write down <laughs> some of those things <laughs> and and think about like your messaging on the website because i think yeah i think those guys really like they 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 had some good takeaways from that conversation for sure yeah the, uh yeah Noah and ben did a good job uh I, it was it was great i enjoyed their questions i i i think later in that podcast i talk about how i have a mountain of content marketing to do and undo and, uh, and <laughs> yeah i heard you know, that part. May, may, maybe yeah maybe i'll get some help with that I, i'm staring at a console that says you know, switch to branch quote premium. Um, so I, I might be preoccupied for a little while with some uh, pr premium product stuff, which is what, which is what you told me I should be working on next. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I, I hear you. Like, I think I've talked to you before about hiring and expanding the business. I think pulling this roadmap forward as far as the lending opportunity is concerned, it may be the thing that means that i need to expand the team um sooner just because you know like you said 
it's very hard to make progress on the marketing site and the product, you know, and new products all at the same time as one person. So um, we'll see what 2020 holds. But my two favorite analogies so, that I heard so far was that for the forecasting in Summit is like a unit test for your business model, which was really good. I heard you say that before, but I think that's really good to kind of like, especially when you're talking to developers. And then the the other one was that your pricing model is like the size of your wings if you're in an airplane. Yeah. And I also love this story about, you, you talked about how the the Wright brothers, they, they built an, like an air tunnel to test different plane types or mm-hmm. airplane designs. Yeah. Um, before they they tested them kind of like in real life or like in real they did real f- uh, flights yeah yeah and, and this is all stuff that's all of that should be on your landing yeah. page <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Okay>. so good <laughs> yes sir yes sir um yeah i mean it's a good thing i do podcasts that i can say these things too <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> um but no you're you're right i mean let's get it in writ- written form as well um yeah i mean that's uh that's that's how i think about it and you know the the unit test your business model that came to me at some point but this is all possible in spreadsheets it's just that spreadsheets are too much of a pain to use for people to bother doing the math every single time they want to make a change to their pricing or something like that Um, so my think my thinking is hey yeah if this is a if this is a product um then we'll do it a lot more often and that's that's why it goes back to something else i shared recently which is when people tell you that they don't do a certain thing very often, that is not a good, that is not a, you know, a good indicator of how often they would do it if you made it a hundred times easier. You know, it's like, mm. you know, uh, I, I don't know if I'd buy that because I never, you know, I never do test driven development or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, but if, isn't that kind of actually proving the point? Like if you made it a hundred times easier, then there'd be a huge yeah, yeah. Under, underserved market for it. So forecasting was one of those things for me too, where a lot of the early feedback was, I don't forecast very often. I'm not sure I need a tool for forecasting. You're like, uh, hmm. So I talk about yeah, that man. with branch for testing. Like I, I use the term of like the price of testing essentially. Um, so mm-hmm. like how I think about it is how, like what are some tests basically what are some testing tools that I can make available that are almost free to implement because they don't require you necessarily to write all the unit test cases, but you can still run them against your project and get valuable feedback. Like you can test your coding standards. You could check if there are any like compilation errors for your code or after you deployed, you could see if there are any like regressions with your SEO or your accessibility or your page speed. And all of those things are things that you could you can test without writing test cases. So they're almost free um, to implement. There's almost no cost associated with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the only, the closest that I think startups have come to this in building their businesses is probably A-B testing on marketing sites where yeah. in theory, you're supposed to have a hypothesis about making changes to copy or placement, et cetera, is going to improve your results by x and then you go check the data now problem is there's just not enough data most of the times for a b testing to work um but what i was saying on on the product journey podcast was you know imagine if when you sat down and thought about the product work you were going to do over the next three weeks or six weeks or three months or six months you actually thought like what's the business impact of this new feature going to be 
Let's yeah. have a hypoth. Let's have a hypothesis about that, and then let's flow it through our business model and see if it's worth it. Because if you if you launch that cool new feature and your hypothesis is going to allow you to improve retention, like go one step farther and say like, okay, by how much? You don't know. Like, let's take a wild guess, and then go see if like, well, it turns out even if we improve retention by that like wild, you know, ambitious number it really isn't worth three developers spending a month on that feature. Like it doesn't pay yeah. off, <laughs> but like how does anybody do that? Like very, 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 very few. Right. Um, I think and yet, so. Yeah. Yeah. And yet here we are like with the least amount of resources allocating them without doing that math. And it's only because that math is just too much of a pain to do. So yeah. 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 Well, thanks. Thanks for the, sh- um, listen and, uh, I'm this is kind of where my head is. It's not much of an update in a sense. I will say maybe on the product side, maker side real quick. Um, I did push the plaid integration live, which is very exciting. Um, it turns out that before you can use, so <laughs> plaid has been an amazing experience. Um, but the one, uh, funny thing was they give you production keys to use once you deploy live. I, I put in those production keys into environmental variables and, you know, it, it was all there. It was fine. Um, but they don't work until you activate them. So you have the oh. keys, but they don't, they don't work. Um, <laughs> and I, I didn't know, I didn't see that fine print, which was like, contact us before you go live with these keys. Um, but then I found it over the weekend after I had a couple founders try to use it in testing. And uh, so this week I will be going live with my production keys with Plaid. <laughs> Nice. Um, which is yeah, which is really exciting because then we'll be able to do this cash flow forecasting, which is really s- runway analysis. And once you can do runway analysis, you can really get into how much cash do you really need and how often, which feeds right back into what we were just talking about. Yeah, I want to try it. <laughs> yeah, I hope you do. I hope you do. <laughs> um, can't wait. I I expect you will. I've got like five free account tokens that i can use so i'm hoping you know five tiny c companies try it out first oh and be, yeah and then i'll be opening up to the world but that's going to be a premium feature because um that is not free uh and also i don't think it's a feature that uh, so all the tiny c companies have as a little perk uh paid accounts right now thanks to tiny seeds subscription um so you can use it um, but that's going to end up being a paid feature for everybody else what what about your uh, own portfolio companies? <laughs> oh, oh, do you yeah. have a, do you have a Summit Investor account ready? Jeez, I might have to subscribe <laughs> to my own product. Um, <laughs> checkmate. Okay, all right. Thanks, Peter. Thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. T- I'm gonna have to tell the Summit company that I need a discount on my subscription. <laughs> awesome awesome whoa (laughs) cool should we end it here i think so i think there's a lot of updates because we had ben on last week and that was a really popular episode so if someone didn't listen to that yet they should go back and give it a listen yeah but uh, we're back on our regular schedule with our updates cool talk to you later then all right peter have a good week take care bye bye